Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Front End Nationwide. This is the Athletics dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portsign with you on a Wednesday afternoon, just about eight days away from the NHL draft in Montreal. We need to talk draft today. We need to talk Blue Jackets today. It's been too long. Appreciate you sticking with us. Had a little bit of a break here, kind of some quiet days for the Blue Jackets. Uh, but we're back with a splash here. We've got Dave Metzold from Bally's Sports. Dave, say hello to the fine folks. Hello to the fine folks. It's always good to be talking hockey as we are on the cusp of July. Exactly. And Jeff Svoboda, also known as CBJ Insider for the Blue Jackets website. Bodes. How are you? I am doing well. It's good to uh, hear all of your voices again. This feels like the uh, the middle of the season, just getting everybody together and chatting like we usually do during the during the year. So yeah, great to be here. Yeah. Does that excellent. mean there's a road trip coming up, Biscuit? Does that mean we're we're getting ready to go on the road somewhere? Let's go. <laughs> if only. Well, I, I'm headed to Montreal for the draft. Unfortunately, I don't think you'll be joining us, Dave. No, I'll be watching from home. Yeah, you you set yourself up for me to have to bring that up. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's fine. Metz, I'll bring you some bagels back from Montreal. Oh, nice. Yeah. And some um, meat. So, so we'll get to the draft. We'll be heavy draft here, but let's first uh, brushstroke the Stanley Cup final if we could, because though that was the Colorado Avalanche beating the Tampa Bay Lightning four games to two, incredible series, an incredibly high level of play. But if you're a Blue Jackets friend fan, certainly of a certain age, I think you watch that, and and probably I won't speak for you, but I, I know a lot of people that that I'm familiar with found a lot of joy in the fact that so many members of uh, of the Avalanche had a connection to this Blue Jackets organization, a prominent connection as well. Um, Chris McFarland, the assistant general manager for the Colorado Avalanche, great to see him hoisting the cup, standing next to, to Joe Sackick, the GM of the Avs. Those two are responsible for building this great Avs team. C-Mac's going to be an NHL general manager at some point soon. Uh, but for him to win a cup was great. We we also see Jared Bednar, who, of course, coached the Blue Jackets uh, trip, uh, AHL team in Cleveland, the Monsters to the to the Calder Cup in 2016, his, associate, his assistant coach, Nolan Pratt. And, of course, Jack Johnson, um, who's been through some stuff and came out on the other end and wins the, wins the Stanley Cup. I, you know what? Everybody enjoys lifting the cup over their heads. Um, some guys are more emphatic and emotional about it than others. I think Jack was about as, as thrilled 
appeared to be as emotionally overwhelmed as anybody lifting that. And Metzl, that there's there's got to be good reason behind that Jack Johnson winning the cup. Well, a hundred percent. He's 35 years old. Who knows how much longer he's going to get opportunities like he had this year. He went to Pittsburgh, didn't really work out for him there and kind of found new life at this late stage of his career in Colorado. And, and as we were talking before, we really got things rolling here, you know, all of the garbage he went through with his parents and, you know, needing just absolutely needing to sign contracts just to take care of all his stuff on the business end. And, and he got that done. And then to have the relief to be able to get his name on that cup, put it over his head. You, yeah, I saw all that emotion pouring out. And maybe I was just assigning all that emotion to him as I was watching it. But golly, I was really happy for the guy who's who's had a tough trail, man, for sure. Yeah, it was so cool. And, and Ryan Murray's on the ice, too. And, and Boats didn't play a playoff game. Uh, Ryan Murray didn't. So I don't think his name goes on the cup. I'm not, I think he gets a ring because he's been with them all year. But a cool moment to see Ryan Murray, who himself, number two overall draft pick by the Blue Jackets, tons and tons of injuries, a really solid player when he did play, played a lot more playoff games with the Blue Jackets than than I remembered when I looked at his stats just a day or so ago. Uh, cool to see him get something. I know he wants to keep playing and win one on the ice with the team, but a neat moment for him as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and as you look back, you know, I think you've kind of forgotten a little bit, but I was just writing uh, about Murr for the uh, looking back, it was 10 years ago, it was the 2012 draft where he gets chosen. Um, and that's kind of star-crossed top four where, you know, the, the number one overall pick was Niall Yakupov and did not have the success many people thought he would have. And, and it's maybe been a little bit of the same for Murr, but it's been injury-based for him. Uh, but looking back at that 2018-19 season he had with the Blue Jackets, he was he was fantastic. Yeah. Um, it was, was a key part of that playing with Seth Jones, I believe, and, and even Zach Wierenski at times. But, you know, he was the first pair defenseman for that team for a lot of the season. Uh, and ended up uh, playing some really big minutes and a, and a key part on what's to this point the most successful Blue Jackets team of all time with that playoff series win. And unfortunately, much like his career arc, though, he ended up not being on the ice for that playoff run because of, right. of injuries with the back injury. So uh, for all the things he's been through, and, and I can only imagine how frustrating it's been for him uh, to, to get a chance to lift the Stanley Cup and he's going to get a ring. And maybe he ends up, I think he finished just short as far as games played. Um, to be automatically on the cup. I, I think teams get a little bit of dispensation. Okay. They can add a, a guy or two. Um, so maybe he ends up on there. But at the end of the day, an incredible experience. He'll be able to cherish the rest of his lifetime. And you know what I remember of that, that 2012 draft is that's the year that the the Islanders offered every draft pick to Columbus Everything. for the number two. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a great, a great offer. I almost wish they had said yes to it just because – you could really have some interesting stuff to talk about. But what a memorable draft. Yakupov first, Murray second. One more thing we get to before uh, the draft. Um, this is a guy I think we, we all know and love, and many people listening to us will as well. Uh, the original voice of the Blue Jackets, um, George Matthews, will go into the PEI Hall of Fame. And if anybody is a Hall of Famer, it's – Got to be George Matthews. Yeah, Metsy? You got that right there, big fella. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, I mean, is that the way he addressed everybody? Hey, big fella, what's going uh, on? Every, yes. And, yes. And not in that, I'm not sure I know your name. That was his That was his term of endearment for people. So, yes. yeah, so happy for George because uh, you think about hockey in Columbus, NHL hockey in Columbus, and a lot of people learned the game listening to George, right? That's right. Learned the game, learned about the game, learned the intricacies of the game, and uh, all the credit in the world to George Matthews for what he did to lay that foundation and 
super happy for a guy who couldn't be any nicer. He's just the nicest yes, guy in the world. He is. And Buzz, you you're a, you, you're kind of an old soul too when it comes to sports. There's something about the great play-by-play guys, and Matthews had this where it's not the words, it's not only the words you use, it's the voice inflection that tells you how important a moment is. And once you got used to George's call, you could tell where the puck was by the volume of his of his voice. He's still doing play-by-play, by the way, up in, in PEI for their their uh, team in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. But I asked George, and maybe you'll think about this, but who the hell is going to emcee this event in Prince Edward Island if, if the emcee for everything in Prince Edward Island is being inducted <laughs> into the Hall of Fame? Who hosts that? Yeah. It's got to be Doug McLean, right? Oh. <laughs> that is a great question, but I mean, you, you can't say enough great things about George Matthews. And you're right, you're right. It wasn't a traditional broadcast in some ways. Uh, you may have not necessarily known where the puck was when George was calling it, but you were yeah. right. Based, based off of the way he was saying it, what was going on, uh, yeah. you, you could tell what was happening. And, and I, yeah. you, I love that. Play-by-play is, sure, you want to be good at it. You want to be descriptive and all that stuff. But it's so much more a feel than a science, I think. And, yeah. and George was great sure. at that. And uh, my quick George Matthews story is uh, back in 2004, uh, I was doing student radio at Ohio State. And I was calling hockey games uh, on our student radio station. And this was the lockout year, the 2004-2005 season. So this come to the season opener. And George Matthews is in the press box because, frankly, has nothing else to do at this time, unfortunately, at that moment. And so we're about to go on the air. I'm in my booth. I'm playing a little – Ohio State had won the CCHA championship the year before. So I had a little montage that I'd whipped up on a CD that I was playing on the air. It's really dating myself here with these details. Um, but suddenly I look up and George Matthews is standing right next to me. And he's like, what you doing there, big fella? Big and fall. I kind of explained to him, I'm, you know, I'm a student radio broadcaster for the team. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, going to Ohio State, but I'm, I want to get a, a career in the sports world somewhere along the line. And we kind of start talking. And George just keeps talking and talking and talking. And finally, I look at him. I look down at the seat. I'm like, George, I'm going to be live in 10 seconds. Like, I, we got to you got to go. Right. <laughs> and this is I had never met the guy at this point, but that was just George Matthews. Just he, he would talk to anybody uh, and wanted to hear about you and could not be a nicer guy. So I'm, I'm very happy for the, that accomplishment for him because he certainly deserves it. Yeah, I was talking to George the other day, and I love this too. The, the Hall of Fame gave him three dates. What is best for this uh, induction ceremony? So George starts to poke around with his his uh, cronies there in PEI and realizes Jim Clark's going to be at the draft for Ottawa in that weekend in July. That same weekend in July, Doug McLean's going to be at a book signing in the States. He starts to think to himself, you know what? I don't want those guys at the Hall of Fame induction because it's not going to be an induction ceremony. It's going to turn into a roast. (laughs) And so that's the week that he's going into the Hall of Fame and there's not a damn thing those guys can do about it. They they can't pot shot him from afar. Um, It's great. I'm I'm happy for him because he's such a class guy and, and really, really beloved by so many Blue Jackets fans that had an opportunity to to follow the team while he was doing the play-by-play. So that'll be – that's a shame we're going to be in Montreal at that time. We could shoot on over to PEI and maybe take part, but not going to happen. Uh, but congratulations to George. Uh, let's get to that draft because I think – I you know, people judge this draft. Is it is it as good as next year's? Is it better than last year's? Yada. I think this is a fantastic, interesting draft myself. Uh, I love that we're not really sure – Who's going to be number one? For years, we thought it was going to be Shane Wright. Now this Yuri Slavkovsky, who I don't think anybody had heard of before January, certainly if you're not an amateur scout. 
I've, if, there are a lot of people who think he's more likely than Wright to go number one. Uh, does Wright go two automatically, or do the doubles trade that pick? Where does Logan Cooley come in? Uh, there are two great young defensemen, David Yurichek, Simone Nemitz. I mean, they, they could both go in the top five. Maybe one of them's there for the Blue Jackets at, at six. But if not, where do they go? So all of these names are kicking around. And I thought we would have a little bit of fun with it and uh, go player by player. Now, this is this is some guessing, of course, where these guys, which of these guys may end up with Columbus. But let's let's pause and 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 ponder two questions first before we get into guessing which player goes where. The Blue Jackets have the number six and they have the number 12. Very similar to last year when they had five and 12. Um I think conventional wisdom has them taking a forward and a defenseman. But I also think Yarmo Kekalainen, at least he says he is, is in best player available mode at all times at this point in the draft. So, Metsy, let's start with you. Just your your thoughts. Is it imperative that the Blue Jackets spend one of these picks on a defenseman when you look at this organizational depth chart? Or are you strictly in best available player at this point in the draft? Well, the, the beauty of it is, Porty, if you if you phrase it that way, the best available player could be either a Absolutely. forward or a defenseman, right? So I think that's the best of both worlds. I, I would love to see him get your check only because I don't think Nance is going to be there. I think he's going to go maybe top three or four. I, I, he might not, but, you know, uh, I could see them being very happy there. Uh, a lot of the mock drafts think Gautier is going to be the guy. I, I like that pick as well. I look at his numbers and what he did. For the U.S. national team, that's that's a fine pick for me if he's available at six, and he probably will be. Um, I wonder if Logan Cooley's going to stay in that top three or if he's mm-hmm. going to be available at six. You just don't know, right? It, it's going to be heavily based on on teams' needs and, and how that player, that particular player fits. So I think that the question is a valid one, but I think it's answered in a in a valuable way for the Blue Jackets either way, whether that best available player at that time is a D or a forward. I, I could be happy with either selection by uh, by Yarmo and the boys. Yeah. Now, Buzz, they've not taken a defenseman. I, I think the only defenseman they've taken since Wierenski in the first two rounds is Andrew Peak. So we're talking a six-year span there. Or Corson um, Kuhlman's last last. I was just going right? to say Corson Kuhlman's last year. Yeah. Does that does Corson Kuhlman's his arrival or his addition to the organization? Does that change you change, change your thoughts as to what they can do with six and twelve? It makes sense to grab a blue liner. They also like this this Kanazko. They like some of the other guys, Christensen, some of the other young defensemen in their system. Um, you want to be balanced, of course, but how, how important is that, Boats? I'm of the opinion that it's not terribly important. I think you just have to take the best player available, and, and maybe you do. I think Yarmo has kind of said that he, he feels maybe they don't double up on a position, but at the end of the day, you say you're just so far, you know, this isn't the NFL draft where these guys are going to come in and play next year. They could come in and play next year, but by and large, you're forecasting five, four or five years down the road to when these guys right. are going to be, uh, you know, really key parts of what you're trying to do. And so you, you've said all the time, you don't know what your needs are going to be at that point. I think you just have to go best player available unless it's maybe it's a tiebreaker at 12 where, you know, you like a, a, a forward and a defenseman about the same and you already drafted a forward. Why not take a defenseman? 
Um, but if there's a player you really feel strongly about uh, at 12, that it, I, that even if it's the same position as somebody you took at six, I think you still take that player. I, that's the way I look at it. Um, but I, you know, everybody has different opinions on it, but the, I look at it uh, from the perspective of it, it. If you really do like someone at 12 and they're, you, you say you draft a center at six and you got another center, you really like at 12. Why not take him? You can never have enough centers or same with wings. And I think the defensive depth chart is there's a lot of good young players there to where they don't have to take a defenseman if they don't want to, or heck, maybe they take two defensemen. Who knows how it's all going to go? But I'm of the opinion to take the best player available and you sort it out down the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Um, so let, let's get rolling here. So we talked about this uh, just a, a little bit a second ago that there are, I think there's a potential this weekend for so, or next weekend for so much to go down. It feels like there's so many teams that want to be active and aggressive. And there's so many teams, even in the, in the top reaches of this draft that have talked about moving that pick for immediate health help. Um, so there could be a lot of a lot of stuff going down on Thursday night. I'm not sure Montreal trades out of that pick. Uh, the host team, you know, picking number one overall is kind of a dream scenario. Um, but the, it sure sounds like they are troubled by who who to take, and the the once unthinkable that Shane Wright might be there at number two uh, may seem possible. So let's start with Shane Wright. Um, with regards to the Blue Jackets, what do you think is the percentage chance that Shane Wright ends up being selected by the Blue Jackets? And let's go uh, Metzold first, then Svoboda and me, and we'll kind of rotate with each player just to keep it balanced. Metzi, a percentage chance that Shane Wright becomes a Columbus Blue Jacket on July 7th? I'd say 5%. I, I just don't see him dropping six spots with the numbers that he put up and the status that he's got, he's just, I just don't see it. So yeah. I would say 5%. Yeah. Uh, Boats. I mean, I'm going lower than that. I'm going zero. Uh, I, I, and I'm operating under the assumption when I made these percentages that I, uh, the, the blue jackets will not make a trade up to select a player. And that's just my gut feeling. Uh, and so with that being the case, there's no way to me, Shane Wright gets to six. And if they're not going to trade up, then I think there's a 0% chance they end up with Shane Wright. Yeah. Now that's interesting. Um, cause I think it's 10%, which may seem a little crazy, but here's, here's the thought process. There are a lot of people who think Montreal is going Slikovsky. And in that case, Shane Wright's available too. The devils have talked openly about trading that pick and they have drafted three centers in the last four drafts. And they are pretty well with, with Hishier, 
with Hughes, uh, with Dawson Mercer. I, I don't know that any of them are Shane Wright. Maybe Hughes is. But there's a chance that you could get to the number two spot if Jersey if Jersey ends up with Wright in their lap there. I think that's the play to get Shane Wright. Really, really unlikely, but I don't think it's completely out of the question. Um, yeah. I and that would be understand. intriguing. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from, and it makes a lot of sense if you're New Jersey to, to – Maybe see what you can get out there. And if a team really wants to move up and make that pick, I just, I don't personally see it being the jackets. Um, if it gets to that point, but th- I mean, that's just my gut feeling. I could be very wrong. And, and maybe you get to the draft night and that or I kind of, um, ha- you know, it happens and you look there and you sit, you see that ability to move up and Shane Wright's sitting there and, and you think, you know, maybe it's worth that shot. Um, so I, I, a lot, you're right. A lot has to happen to get to that point. But maybe if you do get to that point, you do go ahead and make that decision. But I just, in my opinion, I, I my senses, and I, I'm basing this off of nothing other than just my gut, is that that's just not the direction they end up going. But it, it, it's pretty intriguing if you think about it, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's fantastic. Uh, Bodes, you're up next. Uh, starting with you for Slavkovsky now, the, the great Slovakian player. Big dude. Uh, has been compared to Rick Nash. It's a pretty good comparison. Yeah. Well, you can make the same argument with Slavkovsky. If the, if Wright gets picked number one and you still maybe you want to, if you like that guy that much, maybe you move up and, and make that trade and try to acquire him because I, you know, a big talented winger who can score, boy, that sounds like something the Blue Jackets could use. Uh, but I'm still kind of at, I mean, I'm at 0% with him. He's not going to drop to six. Um, and I just don't see a, tr- a trade happening. And, and again, I just, I, I'm kind of making it less fun by throwing that caveat in there, but no, no, um, my guess no. is it's just, he's just not going to be there at six, which is unfortunate because I'd love to see him in a blue jackets uniform. Yeah. And, and I don't think, I don't think Slavkowski is a guy you trade major pieces to get up to. I may burn this tape in five years when he scores <laughs> a 68th goal in, in March. Um, but I think you make that move for a sentiment. I'm not sure you do it for a winger. That's just my thinking today. I'm putting 0%. On that, I think if rank if Wright goes first, if Slavkowski goes second, I don't think the Blue Jackets make a play uh, to get up there. And uh, yeah, so that's where I'm at. Metsy on Slavkowski. Yep, I had him at one percent only because I think he may, he may well go number one. Uh, really made a name for himself in the Olympics and has yep. that great size that you talk about. And I, I think he's kind of the hot pick right now. To be honest with you, even yeah. though Wright's numbers just jump off the page at you. Uh, I think uh, at the end of the night, we're going to be sitting there with uh, with the big Slovak at number one. Yeah. All right. I get to go first here. Logan Cooley. I think this is a really interesting spot because Arizona is perpetually rebuilding. Tell me they wouldn't be interested in a six and a 12. The only problem with that theory is they've got about nine picks in the top 45 this year. Like they are loaded with picks. Right. So I'm not sure that moves the needle. But if the Blue Jackets could get to three and get Cooley, to me that is a centerman, difference maker, instant offense type guy. You put him with with uh, Sillinger as your one-two. Uh, maybe Roslovic holds the, the fort for a year or so until those guys are ready to take over. Um, but I, for me, Cooley's a fascinating guy in the sense, too, that he doesn't get talked about a lot because it's either Ryder or Slavkowski up at the top, but I don't think anybody doubts that it's going to be Cooley at three, uh, that he's not getting past three. So you wonder what the price would be for the Blue Jackets to get up to three uh, if they want to do that for Cooley. But I'm going to put him at 25% um, because I think he's that's a cheaper spot to move to. 
I think Arizona wants to be creative. I think the Blue Jackets want to be creative. I'm just not sure they can find a match. So what did I say, 20% or 25%? You said 25. I've got them at 20. Just I'm just okay. going to jump in. I, I have them at I'm 20 25. Yeah, you're a good. lot of the same reasons. He's just a really attractive player numbers-wise. Yeah. The only thing, I, I wonder if they don't already have Logan Cooley on the roster and Kent Johnson. You know, yeah. they're about the same size, same position, numbers are great, all that kind of thing. Uh, but uh, you talk about filling needs up the center of the ice. Uh, this guy could do it. Maybe not right away. Maybe let him go play for Minnesota for a year, and then then uh, he's there, and he's a little bit bigger in two years. Uh, but I got that at 20% uh, because I like the opportunity to move up there. Yeah. Both. <laughs> And I'm the, again, I get to be the contrarian, and I'm sticking with zero on him. I think the top three guys that are going to get picked are going to be Wright, Slavkovsky, and Cooley. And I just don't – and with the Blue Jackets at six, that means that they're not going to end up with those guys. And, I again, the trade possibility is the thing that gets them – would make them higher. Um, but uh, as of right now, I just I just don't see it happening. I'm sticking with zero on those three guys because I think they're, go- I think they're off the board at that point. You're putting all your chips on, like, three guys – Bodes, I can feel it. <laughs> I am. Yeah. You guys I are going to spinning it out a little bit. I'm sticking with like a, a, a handful, a small handful here. Yes. It's called diversifying your portfolio is what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you got to, you, we can't all have the same opinion of this. We yeah, of course. What fun would that be? be yeah. Now after Cooley goes, I think the draft's already super interesting, but this is where it just gets wide open uh, with, with all sorts of, you, you know, is it crazy to think that, that Kemmel could end up in there, that uh, Casper, some of these guys who are typically thought of at the lower end of the top 10, I don't think it's out of the question that they, they could surprise you. But now we get into the defensemen. Um, and we'll go with uh, the Simone Nimitz first. And Dave, you get the first crack at this. This is an offensive right shot, top pairing defenseman out of Slovakia, much uh, countrymen of Slavkovsky. Very highly rated. He could go in the top three picks. He could go in the top two picks if Montreal or the Devils are looking for a defenseman. You talk about how many great young forwards the Devils already have. Why wouldn't they take a shot at getting a great young defenseman who's, you know, one of those guys who could be a difference maker? We just saw Cole McCarr. I'm not comparison. Or Cole McCarr. We just saw what he did in the, in the final, uh, you know what a, what a difference maker, a great young defenseman can be. And of the two, he's rated slightly higher than your check. So, you know, I, I think there's a 1% chance the Jackets will have a shot at him only because I think he's going to go perhaps in one of those top three spots. Yeah. Yeah, Boats. What's funny is I'm going to double up Metzl here. I'm going 2% uh, because I think. Well, at least you got off a of zero. I'm off of zero. I've got 98% of my chips still on my, my board here, but um, same, basically what you said, I think that he's going to be gone by the time the jackets pick. I do think the top three ends up being right. Slavkovsky Cooley. Um, and then you get into the defensive spot and, and maybe the teams there, um, you know, are looking at him and, and your check and go the other way and things kind of break down a little bit differently. So I'm going to, I'm going to come off of zero, but I still think Nemitz is gone in the top five. And so that's why I'm, I'm sticking with 2% on him. Yeah. I'm going to go 10% on Nemitz as well. I, Cause I, I think, I think it's going to be hard to get to him if you're the blue jackets. Cause I don't think you can get to four or five. I think you could get to three easier than you could get to four or five just because of who's, who's involved. And I, I don't think Nemitz is going to be, I think he's a Kraken or a flyer by the end of, of the seventh. And I, I, and I don't, I don't think he gets past that. But I do think that's a player that the Blue Jackets are super, super interested in. I mean, to have that on the right side of your defense, Wierenski on the left side, um, man, 
you know, that's and the aforementioned Kuhlman's here in a couple of years. They could really be looking at something special in the back end. But I just think it's going to be hard to get to him. Uh, here's a guy I wrote about today. Different player than Nemitz. He's just a. He, I mean, he's going to have. He's going to be a thirty or forty point guy, maybe in the NHL. But Yurichek, David Yurichek, is a big kid. He, this is an open ice hitter. This is a shutdown defenseman, big minutes guy. Um, really interesting player. I think it's your turn to go first with with uh, Svoboda to go first with Yurichek. Where do you where do you have him percentage wise with the Blue Jackets? All right, I'm gonna I'm, now. I'm gonna really start getting into, into real numbers here. Um, I'm gonna go with 13% on Yurichek. Um, wow. So now I've got 15% of my uh, allotment here abused. Um, I try to keep it, you know, try to keep it around numbers uh, that end in five or zero. Uh, but um, I do think that this is a guy. I, I said I wouldn't necessarily be beholden to drafting by position, but I do think if you're the Blue Jackets this year, you're probably gonna focus on guys with size. And I think that Yurichek fits that mold. I think he's, you know, is a right shot guy that you could play very high in the lineup, um, a bigger, more steady guy. They've got so many um, really skilled, younger guys who are maybe more offensive guys, maybe not as big. Um, I think he, a big right shot defenseman is, is a real um, thing that the Blue Jackets would like to have. Does he last to this point in the, in the draft? I think that's a real question. It's, it seems when I kind of went through the, the rankings and did my composite poll, it seemed like the, the kind of consensus on the top five was Wright, Slavkovsky, Cooley, Nemitz, and Juracek. And so I, I don't think he uh, lasts to Columbus at six, but if he does, I think he fits very much what they're looking for. And so it's, it's so small because I just don't think he lasts at that point. But I do think if he's on the board, he's a heck of an attractive guy for the Blue Jackets. Yeah, and I think he's one of those guys that the longer this sort of goes, the more he's sort of sliding down. The board, it's kind of happened to, to Wright as well. It's happened to Matthew Savoy for sure, where maybe a month ago, these guys were all seemed seemingly projected higher than they are now. I think when people watch the cup finals, they see Makar, and that's the guy you're looking for, even though that's not the guy you're going to be able to find but once in a generation. Juracek is sort of an older school type defenseman, and I think some teams are reluctant to taking the, a player like that so early in the draft. Um, but I also think he's a different breed than just a shutdown type defenseman, which you can. There are a lot more of those than offensive defensemen. I think there's a pretty good chance he's there actually for the Blue Jackets at six because I think there's going to be a surprise in the top five if that's Gautier or Camel. Uh, who knows? I. I I think there could be a name that gets pushed down. I'm just not sure they love him at six, um, but it could come to that. I'm giving him 15%. Um, possible that he gets there, but I'm not sure how enthralled they would be uh, to take a player. I think they'd love to have your check if this is making any sense. They'd love to have him, but at this point in the draft, a shutdown defenseman not seen as a sort of special slash difference maker in today's NHL. Some people are opposed to drafting that kind of player that high. Metsy, your thoughts? Yeah, this is uh, one of my big numbers. I've, I've got him at 25% only because nice. of the uncertainty ahead of him and who's going to drop, which of those top four or five guys might drop. Uh, and I do think it's go it goes back to your original question about uh, forward D or best available. If he's available, at six, I think they snag him for sure. Uh, whether or not they make a deal to move up to you know four or five and, and grab him, I don't think they're going to do that. But 
I think if he is available uh, with his upside and his size, you mentioned it, Jeff, he's 6'3", 190 now, you know, so add a couple of years and now you got a 215 pound defenseman. Man, I, I think a guy like that is super attractive to, uh, to the Blue Jackets where they are right now. And I think one thing that really works in his favor uh, in this draft is, and really just in general, is that he's a right shot defenseman. Yeah. Uh, there's so few right shot defensemen anymore. And if you look at the Blue Jackets organization, I mean, you've got Andrew Peake, Adam Boquist, and then a whole lot of nothing as far as that goes. Um, for And so I know I, I said earlier you can't necessarily draft on need, but they're so scarce now finding a really good high-level right shot defenseman that I think that makes him a very attractive player for not just the Jackets, but everybody. Same with Nemitz. So those, those two guys, um, it's such a positional scarcity that I think that works in both of those guys' favor, which is why I think they're both off the board by the time six comes around. But that's just my take. And hey, just Jeff, imagine. Uh, Nick Blankenberg on line one for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is he a, okay. He is a right shot. My bad. Okay. So I, I, I redact that one comment. Let's add him in as well. <laughs> For some hey, reason just, in my head, he was a left shot. Just imagine putting your check next to Wierenski. Wow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, stylistically yeah. those two, it's just, it's the perfect, it's the, it's the perfect final minute and 10 seconds of the game. Uh, you would think. Uh, so now we get to the, the sixth player off our board, Gautier. Uh, is is who we're discussing right now, uh, Cutter Gautier, which is just it's a fantastic name. And I have yet to read how his parents came to naming him Cutter, but it I bet it's a great story. Hang on, um, I got it. I got it. You? His, his grandma you? took it out of a Swedish cookbook. True, true story. Whoa. Just read it. He was born in Sweden. He was born in Sweden because his dad played over there uh, yeah. at the goaltender. Right. Uh, his, his grandma, they were trying to figure out a name, and his grandma was going through a Swedish cookbook. Cutter, there we go. Cutter's the name. That's where wow. it came from. I've never heard of looking through a cookbook for a kid's name, but right? rock or on. It's just looking up some Swedish recipes. And, yeah, oh, right. But Cutter. I mean, it's, not a, it's a great name. It's a fantastic name. Um, I, I think this is a guy that, I don't want to say falls to the Blue Jackets, but my God, this is a big, big centerman. He's going off to college next year. Minnesota? Boston College. Boston College. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, he's going to BC, and they want him to play center. Uh, this is a kid that probably projects to be 6'3", 6'4", when he's done growing. Um, I don't know that he has the nasty streak that like a Ryan Getzlaff has, but when I think really big power forward centers – I think Bacchus, I think, um, you know, guys like that that just are so hugely important to teams. And I also think about the affinity that Yarmo Kekalainen has for size. Um, never goes out of style, as, as they say. Everybody gets tired, but size doesn't shrink. I think Gautier is a, a really interesting guy for them. And, and they, if, the idea that they could stand pat at number six and draft cutter Gautier is pretty damn Pretty damn plausible to me, even in this year where I expect so much to go down. I'm giving Gautier 30%, and I'm out of my percentages. <laughs> well, Porty is, Porty is going all in here, uh, I guess you could say. Um, and I am too. I'm going to be honest. You guys, you know, we're, we're wondering where my chips were going to fall. I'm going 40% on Cutter Yeah, I think you said a big centerman. Uh, fits, you say those never go out of style. You can never have enough centers. You know, this guy's big. He's skilled. Uh, he's from a hockey family. He's from a great development program up in Ann Arbor with the U.S. team. I think it just checks off so many boxes that it makes a, a heck of a lot of sense to draft him at six. 
And so that's, that's my big one. Um, you've seen them to the jackets in so many mock drafts. Uh, it just makes so much sense that I feel like the, that that's where I'm going to put my biggest percentage and go 40%. I got them at 30. I got them at 30 uh, for a lot of those same reasons. I love the size. Uh, I love the numbers that he put up, up in Ann Arbor. I mean, uh, you know, pretty impressive second on his team there. Uh, plus, I love the opportunity of, of a line that would have uh, Cutter, Cole, and Boone. You know, it sounds like a law firm, right? <laughs> Cutter, Cole, and Boone, <laughs> Boone, Cole, and Cutter, whatever you want. I mean, it would just be such a great line for first names alone. But uh, mainly the size, the fact that he's uh, versatile enough where he can play wing and, and, and learn the NHL game on the wing and then switch over to center. I mean, there's just a lot of uh, a lot of upside to go in that way. So I guess what we're saying is Cutter Gauthier, Columbus Blue Jacket. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Um, you must, you guys must, you have, you guys have percentages to play with, do you not? Oh yeah. Uh, I have, uh, I have a couple more, one more player in double digits. Okay. So we'll keep going here because uh, I'm out. I still have thoughts and, and Joaquin Kamel is next on the, le- on the list. Uh, Metsy, let's start with you. I don't, I think I got us out of, out of sequence there. Uh, your thoughts on this young man, Finnish played well in the, in the, in the, uh, Finnish top league as a young man, pretty impressive guy. Probably a winger. Um, where do you come in on Joaquin Kamel? One uh, percent, uh, maybe two. I might bump up. It just depends about what happens up above him, right? But uh, the one big th- factor he's got going for him is that he's from Finland, so you know darn well that that uh, uh, Yarmo's got him scouted well. He's ranked second among European skaters, so he's obviously got some skills. But I look at that size, and I'm like, man, that doesn't really thrill me for this Blue Jackets team. Desperately needing big forwards, at least a couple of them. Uh, you know, you got a bunch of them under six foot and under two hundred pounds. Uh, you know, you got those by the dozens almost in the organization, and uh, so I don't have him at a very high percentage right now. And I'm going to go with fifteen, uh, just huh. because I think. And 
you know, like I said, I, I don't think that the, I was so low on the top five guys because I just don't think they're available at six. So I think this is a guy that's available. So I have to probably give him a little bit more here. And I do also like, you know, he tested very well at the combine on the explosiveness test. Uh, I, I think it, there's just this, this is a guy that is pretty highly thought of. It feels like a top 10 pick. Um, and so if he's available there, it's someone you have to look at. And so I, I think he's, you know, say I don't have him as high as Gautier, but I have him on the radar at 15%. Yeah. 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 We got a, another Finn coming here after this one. Marco Casper is a big, big fella at center. Um, boy, centers don't usually last very long. He he's almost certain to go in the top ten, but he's a guy that could surprise. Um, uh, you know, let me let me do Kamel real quick because I should weigh in on this. I I've got them sticking with pretty much with the big board. I think Kamel's a guy that I don't think he gets to 12, but I don't think they, they step out of line to get him at six either. But Yarma can surprise. And we know this too, the flip side of him being a Finn is Yarma is not going to take him because he is a Finn. We Good have established point. that. Um, that you know him passing on Puglia Yarvi is something that people in that country uh, may never forget or forgive him for, though he was proven correct. Uh, in that draft. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think he probably knows the young man as well as anybody, uh, but I don't think he's going to step out of line to draft him either way. Uh, Marco Casper is interesting because he's a centerman. Bodes, I think this is your your shot to go first. Uh, what percentage do you have for Casper ending up with the Blue Jackets? I'm going to go with the six pick. I'm going to go with 10%. And again, I gotta, I, I'm kind of focusing my, my points on uh, um, percentages on guys I think will be available. So I think he will yeah. be available there. Um, I just don't think he, he's just from reading about him, seems like a, a guy you'd love to have on your team, a very spirited two-way center who's going to be hard to play against. Uh, but I just, I don't think the the offensive skill set is there for him to be all the way up at six. Um, I think if he's on the board at 12, they might run up there and take him, <laughs> but it's six. I just don't, I, I don't see it happening, but I say again, since I do think he's on the board, I at least give him 10%. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean this, the fact that he's a centerman, and if if they don't feel like Gautier is, even though Boston College does, maybe that swings the Blue Jackets uh, and to look for a because they are more valued. The centermen are more valued always. Um, next on our list is Jonathan Lakaramaki. Now, I Yarmo might make this pick just to screw with our headlines and listen to us try to pronounce Lakaramaki <laughs> for the next twelve years. Um, he's an interesting player. He's uh, he's a guy that you know. It's funny. I hope I hope you guys understand where I'm coming from with this. But I've heard about eight players of which it's been said won't be there for the Blue Jackets at six. If you know what I'm saying, that's how wide open this draft seems to be. And he's one of those guys that that has been thrown out there as a surprise, um, where he could really really jump up and surprise how high he gets. And other people, there's lots of different opinions on this guy. Um, but one of the best goal scorers in this draft, which is what it's all about. Um, he's got good size. He's a right winger. He's playing in, in uh, Sweden, uh, in your garden. Uh, your thoughts on Jonathan Lekaramaki? Uh, I've got him at 15% actually, because I, one of the younger guys in the draft, and you mentioned it, he's 35 points in 26 games. Uh, this guy, I think, has tremendous upside, has a has a real opportunity to, to grow into an even better player than we're seeing right now. Uh, all the stuff you read about him talks about how he's got the great hockey sense, the great hockey mind, all that kind of stuff that right. Torts used to really love, and I guess all GMs and coaches love now. But 
uh, I, I look at him as a real, a real dark horse to move up into that number six spot for, uh, for Columbus. Awesome. Buds? Yeah, I'm going to stick at 10% with him. Same I gave to Casper. Um, a guy that's, I think he's really been moving up the draft boards, as, as Forty kind of alluded to there. Uh, had an incredible world uh, U18 championship with uh, Sweden, 15 points in six games. And so, I mean, this is an elite scorer. Um, I've, I, and so I, I think he's definitely in the mix there. Uh, and I would not surprise me to see him go um, very right in that six, six to 12 range. But um, since I'm running out of percentages here, uh, I'm going to go with 10%. <laughs> Excellent. And last but not least is a centerman. At least we think he's a centerman. The dreaded could also play the wing comment comes in with Matthew Savoy. Uh, five, nine, five, ten. But this kid is is talent, production, energy. I mean, I guess you're never quite sure how that size is going to translate to the NHL. But this is a guy that a lot of people have been really high on. Had a really good year with uh, Winnipeg in the Western Hockey League. Uh, he's a guy that I thought the Blue Jackets would be lucky to get at six. And then as this process has moved along, um, it, he seems to have sort of, I don't want to say fallen out of favor because he's still seen as a top 10, top 15 pick. It's an incredible accomplishment in, in its own right. But I don't I don't see him. I don't think the Blue Jackets reach for him at six. I think they cross their fingers and hope he's there at 12. So I'm, I'm at 0% on Savoy as well. Uh, Bodes, I think it's your turn to go first here. Yeah, um, I am at uh, 10% because that's what I have left. Um, Because I wanted to give everybody, you know, who is in that mix that is going to be, I think is going to be available at least 10%. But I think the size is kind of the turnoff for him. Uh, Kind of everything you just said. Clearly a very talented player. Um, My uh, consensus poll of the draft rankings that I did on bluejackets.com, he actually came out sixth, uh, which means he's pretty highly thought of out there in circles. as far as the scouting community goes and, and the, the analyst community, but uh, it just, if it comes down to it and, it, and you're taking a center and the answer is the question is Gauthier or, or Savoy, I think they take Gauthier. So I, I have Savoy at uh, 10%. Betsy. I've got him at one uh, only because uh, he, that size. And again, this is the second time in the last four players that I've talked about size, but he's a little guy and he scores a lot. But if you look at that Winnipeg ice team, my God, they score a lot. I mean, they do. Yeah. He, he had 90 points. Uh, Connor geeky had 70 points. Uh, they've been a defenseman who had 65. I mean, they, that team scores a lot. So I don't know what that tells us about the Winnipeg ice team or maybe that league in the, in the Western hockey league. I, I don't know what we can learn from that or glean from that. But, uh, again, I'm, I'm shying away from him. And I think the jackets would, would not be as intrigued by him only because, uh, he's a little bit smaller, and, and like I said, we got we got a ton of those guys right now on the Blue Jackets roster. Yeah, yeah. So we've rattled through ten guys now. Uh, I would love this year of all years. Would love to see like ten teams as big board when this draft is over. Of course, they won't show that to you because there's, <laughs> there's a great chance for embarrassment. But I think it could be as 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 volatile this year as in any year. Um, just because it's so, I don't think it's a bad draft at all. I think I think there's just a lot of a lot of differing opinions about a lot of of the same players. That some people see two entirely different things. Um, let's let's now the Blue Jackets also have the twelfth pick. The last thing I wanted to get to is is there one player sort of in this realm, maybe a player we've mentioned, but probably not a player we've mentioned that could be available for the Blue Jackets. With that twelve p- 
pick. If they take a forward at six, maybe they go D at 12. They take a D at six, maybe forward at 12. But like you said, if it's best available, they could double up on either position. Um, Bodes, let's start with you. Is there a guy that could be there at 12 realistically that you think the Blue Jackets should or could bounce on? It was hard for me to come up with one. Um, I kind of have like multiple answers here if I'm allowed sure. to do so. Um, I guess you're not going to stop me. Uh, you can just edit me out, but I'm just going to say what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I say, I, in that ranking that, that I did a consensus poll, and this of course means nothing at the end of the day, but you know, Casper came in at 16th in that, which I, there's just some people wow. that aren't sold on him as a, as a top of the board pick. Yeah. And if he ends up sliding down to 12, again, I think you'd run up there to draft a guy like that just because of how good he is. But um, you know, will he be available? I mean, there's a, probably a good chance that he's not at that point. Um, I think a guy like if you're talking about big centers, uh, Connor Geeky, uh, mm-hmm. who I believe was, uh, you know, there's so many guys here. I don't want to you know, get confused. He was, yes, he was Savoy's teammate in Winnipeg, um, yep. six, three and a quarter, uh, 196, according to central scouting. Again, if you're looking for size up front, another guy that has to be interesting to you. Um, I'm intrigued as, as like crazy by Brad Lambert, the, uh, Canadian born, but you know, finished now, um, well, fish born, but the son of the. Um, uh, former Canadian pro Ross Lambert and the nephew of Islanders coach Lane Lambert. Yeah. Um, I think he'd be a really, uh, he's really fallen over the last couple of years, but whenever I've seen him at the world juniors, he's been a heck of an impressive player to me. So I'd have to consider him on 12. And then, you know, I have to do throw a defenseman in there because if you go forward the first time around, maybe you do go defenseman this time around. And, and I think um, Denton Matichuk out of Moose Jaw, I have no idea if I'm saying his name right at all. Um, but a guy that I think uh, uh, has some offensive ability on the blue line uh, fits a lot of what the Blue Jackets look for in blue liners. So those are guys I think that kind of stand out to me among the field as you get down to 12. But um, this is really where you can get a lot of differences of opinion, I feel like. Yeah. You just wanted to say moose jaw, but I know that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Metsy, where do you come in at 12? Who's your Who's your dream pick for the Blue Jackets at 12? Uh, well, I have, I have two. I don't have, yeah. uh, I don't have five. Like, uh, like Jeff. <laughs> I, I really two. bent the rules there, didn't I? <laughs> if I'm going to go forward, I'm going to go with Connor Geeky. I, I mean, his numbers are great. He's, he's kind of a modern day version of Boone Jenner farm kid grew up on a big farm out in the middle of nowhere in Saskatchewan. And obviously we know, uh, we know about his brother who was, uh, I think a third round pick by Carolina not playing in Seattle. So uh, I like Connor Geeky there. Unbelievable numbers again for a team that must have scored a lot. And then I'm I'm going to stay in Winnipeg. I like this uh, Kevin Korchinski, who uh, two way defenseman, yeah. big defenseman for Winnipeg. Uh, sixty five points last year, four goals, sixty one assists. Uh, a good two way guy who uh, who could be there. Actually, probably should be there. So those those would be my two picks in that number uh, number twelve spot. All right. I love Connor Geeky at 12. I love the size. The only thing that's hard for me to believe is that a six foot three centerman with skill is going to make it to 12 because it's GMs covet big skill center. Like those, those things jump off the page. I think he's a guy that could go a lot higher than people anticipate. I'm not sure if he cracks the top six, but if he's there at 12, I think the Blue Jackets would be absolutely uh, delighted. Another guy that is really interesting to me and is is rising up, <laughs> one of those guys that's been on a climb here for six weeks is Leon Bichel, uh, who a big, big defenseman. He's a left shot defenseman. He, I think he's he's six five and he's he's gonna he's a pretty good skater. 
Um, but he plays a very physical brand and, and moves himself and the puck uh, very well. Uh, that's a guy at 12, maybe seen by some people as a little bit of a reach. Uh, but that's 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 a guy I think is someone to keep an eye on. And then if if uh, the, the guys that you mentioned, if, if they fall, I think it gets really interesting. Frank Nazar, Brad Lambert, those guys. Interesting. That 12 pick is really interesting to me. What do you guys think is the likelihood? Uh, last last question here. As wild as this weekend feels like it could be with so many teams wanting to do something. And I know we hear that every year, but it feels more real this year with all of the cap implications. Uh, and with so many teams seemingly up and over the crest of of their sort of windows to win, well, the likelihood that they keep six and twelve. Do you think the Blue Jackets keep six and twelve, or do you think do you think Yarmo's walking to the podium twice, or Billy Searin is twice in the first round, or do you think they're going to be active? I think they keep them unless they get an opportunity to move top two. Um, but hmm. I, I think this is still a team that's trying to collect talented assets and when you have two opportunities to pick two more good players as we saw last year I mean this this is a real asset collecting time for them and players who could contribute maybe not this year but certainly next year and the year after that uh, I think you're looking at a team that's that's on the come that's on the on the cusp of, uh, of being a, a, again another perennial playoff team if they develop all of these young players the right way it's a it's a really unique opportunity for them to continue to fill the cupboards. Yeah, I mean, I I think my answer to that's been spoiled by my uh, answers to the <laughs> the uh, the percentages because I think that I do think they stay at six and twelve. Um, it, certainly, you can get bowled over at a point that you say, "Oh my goodness, we'd be stupid not to take this trade." Um, I also think that you know, as a draft unfolds and maybe a guy you really like goes down a spot or two, you could say you can really convince yourself, like, "Man, you know, maybe it's worth making a move like that." So you you know, you can never say never. But I, as, as Dave just kind of said. For a team that's trying to build out a long-term successful future, uh, you, having five first-round picks um, in a two-year span is a great way to really set yourself up for future success. And so um, you have the flexibility there. Having two of the top 12 picks in the draft does allow you to maybe trade one um, or even trade two just to get one back. Uh, so the flexibility is there. But my just say my gut feeling, and it's nothing other than a gut feeling, because you know Yarmo Kekalainen is ever going to tip his hat here. But my gut feeling is you just the, the plan is to just keep adding players, keep adding young talent, um, and that's going to be blooming, you know, down the road here, and, and try to make this a long term consistent winner. Yeah, I think they're in asset collection uh, standpoint already, and should be should remain there. I think the work that they want to do to today's roster, I think six or twelve is too high a price to to pay to fix the. Those things are still in the talent acquisition mode and moving forward with young players on the roster. So let this breathe. This is the challenging part of the reset, though, if you're Yarmo, where you're probably going to be too good this coming year to be picking in the top 10. Certainly, you hope you will. Um, so you got to hit these guys. But I think the draft pick, the draft picks should be treated as absolute gold because uh, that's that's your path out of all this. Um, anything else to add, boys? Can't wait to see how it plays out. I mean, that, I know. it's going to be a really fun night to watch those first really 10 or 15 picks. It's really going to yeah. be fun. It'll be wild. It'll be wild. Boats, thanks for joining us. Metsy, thanks for being with us. Really appreciate it, guys. Um, everybody, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week from Montreal. I think we're going to do a group chat. Look for Twitter to uh, Twitter for more instruction on that. Uh, just sort of a big conversation 
uh, with all of you out there with, with what you're thinking heading into the draft. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening as always. Thanks to Danielle Lehman, our producer, and we will talk to you all very, very soon. Take care.